Hello, Jose Zayas here. Welcome to week three of our series, The Way of Jesus. We're looking at Matthews 5, 6, and 7. And at this critical time in our church history, and really in world history, there's no better time for you and I to saturate our thinking in the words of Jesus and to gain a wisdom from him on how to live everyday life. All right, last week, we looked at the beginning, the blessings. He sits them down on a hill. He begins to teach them what's Jesus's first word, blessing. Now, if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast or the YouTube channel, but let's rethink the four ideas that frame out all that we get in the Sermon on the Mount. First thing is that Jesus begins with blessing. We need to get that. This doesn't start with a list of commands, but rather Jesus announces it. Second thing is these blessings are that, just that. They're an announcement. It's good news. He's not saying in these blessings, if you do this, I will do that. Rather, he's saying, because you have come and you have begun to follow me, this is your reality. Remember, the third thing is that this announcement was given to the lowly. It was given to the ordinary people. This is not just for the elite. This wasn't just for the chief priests. This just wasn't for the Bible scholars. This announcement was given to anyone and everyone. And that, my friend, is good news. No matter where we find ourselves or our history or our pedigree or our background, when it comes to faith in Jesus, we have no prerequisites. Other than that, we as Matthew 4 says, we turn, we repent, we turn and change our mind and turn it towards Jesus and follow his leading. And then finally, we saw that these blessings, they speak to the present, our current situation. The kingdom of heaven has come near now. This is not all about the future, but it's not all about today. And as we're going to see, as we walk through these nine blessings, some of them lean towards the now, others towards the future. And it reminds us that God's love and God's word to us isn't all going to be seen today when we want it in our quick fix culture. We want everything that God has said and promised. We want it all now. That's just our cultural default. It's just our, our mindset. But we have to take a long view. The promises God gives in the Bible they will not all be seen today or tomorrow or next year or next decade, but we can bank on them. God is always faithful to his promise and he has been faithful and he will be faithful to you. All right, now let's look at the nine and what can we learn from them as we begin to follow Jesus together. Let's just read Matthew 5 verses 3 through 12. Uh, Jesus begins, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then the final one, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And then he elaborates, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Why? For as in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were uh, before you. Okay, so we have nine 
blessings. And what I want us to remember is that if you've ever seen a stained glass window, uh, if not, they're just beautiful. And uh, my wife and I, we've traveled all across Europe and these old cathedrals, it's beautiful when you see the light come in off of stained glass. But like a stained glass window, you shouldn't overly focus on one piece of the glass. It's the whole mosaic. It's, it's the entire picture. And in the same way, you can't pull these apart and say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for this blessing or I'm going to hold on to that blessing. They're like a mosaic. They're like a stained glass window. You need to see the whole thing together. So we'll look at all nine. But remember, they're interconnected, okay? Uh, let's look at the first one. Blessed, verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Some commentators have said that all the other eight lean back in towards this blessing. Just like all of the, what we call the Sermon on the Mount could be seen as a reflection of God's word of blessing to us and how we live in the kingdom of God, in the closeness of God, in the good rule of God. So in the same way, all the blessings can lean back. This is the most generic. It's the most big picture. And some of the others get more specific. So poor in spirit, what is, what is that? Is Jesus saying that we need to become poor? And some have actually interpreted it that way. And said, well, what I need to do is I need to get rid of, I need to renounce, I need to, I need to make myself poor. Well, think again, context matters. Who is he already talking to? He's already talking to the poor. So this isn't a word from Jesus saying poverty is amazing. And I, I hear that sometimes. This is a side note, but I'm like, man, I just, you know, I, I want to let go of all this stuff and 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 pull it all away and, and become more simple and become poor. And at the same time, you have the poor in the world saying, I wish I had resources. It's funny. The grass is always greener, as they say, on the other side. This isn't a word for or against poverty. This is a word of hope. These are the poor in spirit. These are the economically poor. But it's not just financial. In spirit includes kind of all of life. These are the people that other people have overlooked. Jesus is speaking to people who are not the elite, not on top. And they're, they're the equivalent of maybe the blue collar worker instead of management. And, you know, the big bonuses often go to who? To management or executives and less trickles down. In the same way, this is the group of people that were not being consulted. No one was looking for uh, religious advice or spiritual advice from this group of people. They are the poor in spirit. Guess what Jesus says? The kingdom of heaven belongs to you. You qualify. And while as the world and the world system overlooks them as candidates for God, just think in your own world, like who are the people, who are the people that God's favor, God's goodness, uh, should, should rest on? Who are the people who have been blessed by God? You know, people throughout the, the late Mother Teresa. Why? Often like, oh, I'm no Mother Teresa, right? Why did people love and respect Mother Teresa? They looked at her life and like, wow, like her, her sacrifice. Well, in, in one sense here, that's like the wrong way of seeing this, yes, I mean, she was in one sense a real like living saint that she gave her life over for the poor. But people look at her actions and often say like, man, that qualifies her for God's blessing because she was like so saintly. That's not what 
these beatitudes, these blessings are about. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven, God's rule, God's presence, God's loving care comes even to the least of these. And so I found this to, to be true in my own experience. I don't know about you. It's often those who are in, whether it's economic or it's social, that they're in a, a lower state than others are more often receptive to a word from God or following the way of Jesus. When it comes to sharing the gospel, and even those who study missions and trends will tell you what's the number one fastest place where the church is growing in all of history and even right now. It's among the poor. There's no faster place. It's in rural places in China that are closed where people have very little resources. It's in Sub-Saharan Africa. It's in Latin America there, where, where people have less. This good news of Jesus spreads faster. Now, in one sense, that's actually true according to Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit for, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They recognize their need for God. And in the same way, what's one of the biggest stumbling blocks for people receiving the good news and living the truly blessed life? Not like our cultural version of blessing where I've got X amount of social media followers, I have this job, I have this spouse, I have this house, I have these memories, I have this vacation, I have this life. Our culture looks at the external and says, wow, that person's got it. We all want to be famous, right? Or well-known or connected or rich. And that version of blessing, Jesus says, man, they've missed it. And he says to this group of people, you are favored, you're graced, because you've made room in your life for my leading. And my friend, I don't know what your current situation is and whether you're better you know, now than a year ago or in a worse financial or social situation. If you belong to Jesus, you are the blessed. And often it's when we're in a low time that we recognize our need for him and so Jesus, when he walked the earth, he so often spent time with the least likely. I mean, why did Jesus seemingly spend such a little time with the religious leaders? And he often had words to say that were a challenge to them. Why did he spend such little time with the political elite? And why did he spend so much time with the masses and with his 12 disciples who, for the most part, not all of them, but for the most part were from the lower sides of society. It's because they made room. They opened their life to the reality of Jesus and listened to his teaching and went his way and followed his example. And so in the same way, there is blessing. Remember, this isn't something you earn. Jesus says, if you're poor in spirit, if you recognize your need, the kingdom of heaven is near to you, and this is like a, a good word to us, that desperation really matters. And if there's something, while these aren't things that we're called like to live into, but if there's some truth that we ought to apply, it's make the most of this current situation. If, if you know, this has rocked your world a little bit, I'm sorry if you're feeling like the emotional weight of that, but let's make the most of it. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus wants to be more real to you now than ever before. Who is he most real to? The desperate. 
those who are yearning for him, those who say, you know what, that doesn't satisfy. Jesus, I'm looking for you to satisfy. And so in this time, uh, we ought to make the most of it. Let me ask you, where, it, where are you in your desperation for God? When I look at my own life and I think of when was the time in my life that I was probably most like in a passionate place of pursuing God, I, I feel like I'm pursuing him now. And and you know, I, I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus, but it was, it was in high school for me. I, I, when I look back at my whole life and I think, where, where am I most on my knees, most crying out to God? And it was high school, now why high school? It happened to be that during that time, my dad had, had lost his job. There was a huge economic um, downturn in New York where we grew up. And, and he worked for a huge company and they laid off thousands of people. And because of the glut in the market, there's so many people looking for a job. He's able to find work, but it was very underemployed. He wasn't making nearly what he made before. And then that you know, temporary job would go away and then another one would come. And for those three years, my last three years of high school were really hard financially, but they happened to be the most thriving time of my life spiritually. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Uh, the culture may say you're not in a great spot. Jesus says you're in the perfect spot. The culture may say like, man, you ought to get out of that situation. But when you're in a place where you are utterly dependent on Jesus for everything, you are in the best place that you can be because God's good rule, the kingdom of God, has come to you. And there's no greater life than you being led by Jesus. There's no greater joy than knowing the presence of Jesus. And there's no greater wisdom than following the way of Jesus. And so the rest of these blessings, I think, are they stem out of this cornerstone truth. Desperation matters. Blessed are the poor in spirit for those of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, let's, let's just uh, keep reading. Verse four, blessed are those who mourn for they will be Comforted. Let's read the next two because these three kind of package together. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I think that these seem to go together and build on one another. The first one, blessed are the poor in spirit, is in the present tense. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven now. Jesus will be close to everyone who senses their need for him and says, I want to follow you. Now it turns these three and the three after the, the middle six, they're future tense. So blessed are the meek for they in the future will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Interestingly, they will be filled future. Doesn't mean there's not going to be any filling now, but over time, those who hunger and thirst Jesus promises in your future, what you're hungering for and thirsting for in terms of living in the right with God, you're going to get. And I think it's interesting. It reminds us that, that, that Jesus is now, the kingdom of God is now, and the kingdom of God is future. We're not gonna see it all this moment. That's why we're called to walk by faith and not just by what we see. This is a long turn. That's why Paul often in his letters uh, equates following Jesus to a race, a marathon, a a, a struggle, uh, a, a growth. He, he relates the Christian to the athlete who's often training, 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 growing, growing, growing. And in the same way, we ought to grow. Now, remember, let's just look at these three. They're all in the future tense. Those who mourn, he says, 
will be comforted. Now, what does that mean? He's not just talking about a funeral. This is often pulled up in moments where we're in a crisis. Don't worry, those of you who mourn, you will be comforted. But rather, it's to those who feel what God feels and see what God sees. Blessed are you, those of us who follow Jesus, because we follow Jesus, blessed are you when you see and identify with people who are in their places of suffering, because guess what? God steps in and feels with us in our moments of suffering. Blessed are you, kingdom people. Blessed are you, church. Blessed are you, Jesus follower. When you choose not to just live for you, yourself, but you choose to step in like God does and identify with people. And th this is not just about like you being comforted. Blessed are you when you live your life for other people. Look, think of Luke um, 13, verse 34. Uh, Jesus says he's making his way towards Jerusalem and he's going to go to the cross. How does Jesus see people? And how does he identify with people? It says in verse 34 of Luke 13, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. Notice what he says. How often I long to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you are not willing. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. You know, Jesus mourned over the people that he come to rescue, but wanted nothing to do with him. Blessed are you when you stand in like Jesus and don't avoid other people's pain and trouble. When you live for the kingdom of God, when you live for the king, when you follow his leading and we choose to not live isolated lives or selfish lives, but other-centered lives, when we actually embrace the way of Jesus, blessed are you when you feel what God feels, when you identify what God identifies with, with other people's suffering, and you say like, oh man, I wish if only, if only they would allow God to come near to them and they don't and you don't give up and you continue to pray and you continue to love and you continue to share the gospel. Blessed are you when you live this way because you will be comforted. God knows. He knows their suffering and he knows when we step in in Jesus's name and choose to be with people. He says next, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. The meek here are the lowly, the bottom rung, you know, maybe you were that person on the team when they, when the schoolyard, everyone has that, that uh, scar in the schoolyard and it's time to pick, you know, who's going to be on your team and everyone picks who, like the most athletic or the most successful. And then there's the last few people like, I guess, is, I guess I got to have someone on my team. Blessed are the lowly. Blessed are those who are chosen last. Jesus isn't, isn't saying, hey, we ought to be, all become Meek, they are the meek. This group he's talking to already are the lowly. What Jesus is saying is the culture says, you're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. But guess what? The kingdom of heaven has come to you. Jesus is, is identifying with us. He's saying, this is good news. You may feel like you're least qualified. You may feel like, you're, I hear it all the time, you know, we're talking to people like, well, yeah, I know you, you're really good at this, you're really good at that, or you're called to this and that, but not me. And so many times we disqualify ourselves from being used by God. Here's good news for you. 
If you're poor in spirit, if, you're, if you have a desperation for the presence of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven has come near to you. If you're willing to, to live the Jesus way and see people and their brokenness and not blow them off, but be with them and take steps towards them, guess what? Comfort is gonna come. Jesus is with you. Blessed are the meek, the lowly, the, the ones who feel disqualified, which was everyone in this crowd. Why? They're gonna inherit the earth. And this is why that whole last first and first last, if you've heard Jesus' sayings, the last will be first and the first will be last. Uh, Jesus promises that in the future, there, there is gonna be blessing. You're gonna be able to see all that God does as we choose to follow him. Uh, he's saying, don't live into this and then get God's blessing. Because you see yourself as lowly and you, and you are the meek, don't be discouraged, follow Jesus, allow God to use you. Him and his kingdom wants to work through you and in the end, promise future, you're gonna inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Righteousness, that, that's like a, a Bible word if I've ever heard of it. And all throughout the first part of the story, what we call the Old Testament, the word righteous has such rich and beautiful meaning. And what Jesus is saying here is blessed are those of you who hunger and thirst to live in the right. I mean, the, there's lots of nuances and, and, and a well-rounded meaning of righteousness. I don't want to make it overly simplistic, but the core of righteousness, Old and New Testament, is about being in the right. Uh, primarily being in the right with God, but as you look at the Old Testament laws, the teaching of God for God's people, righteousness is always connected with living in the right with God so that we could live in the right with one another. It's about, it's about doing what's right. It's about loving your neighbor as yourself. Remember Jesus said when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. If you've done these two, you fulfilled all of the law because rightness with God is what we were made for and rightness with one another is living in God's rule. God wants us to be at peace with one another and the blessed life is where we are more in right relationship with people. Think about your own soul. You can have ton, tons of money in the bank, but if you're married and you are not in the right with your spouse, if you're a parent and you could have all the blessings of material and everyone looks up to you and you're not in the right with your kids, doesn't it spoil something within us? Blessed are you when you want what God desires. God wants us to be in the right with him and he wants us to be in the right with one another. And Jesus is, remember, announcing this. He's saying to you, and I just want to speak to those of you who are just struggling with personal failure. You just feel like you cannot get this right. What Jesus does not say is blessed are you when you always get it right, right? Because you're going to be filled. Blessed are you who never make mistakes because you're going to be filled. He says rather, blessed are you who hunger, who crave, who thirst, who long for. I'm definitely an eater. There are eaters and non-eaters. There are people who could just, you know, a few calories here, a few calories there. I want them in mass quantities. I love to eat. And the moment I eat in our, our family, they, they mock me. It doesn't matter how expensive the meal was. It's a waste. Why? Because 10 minutes after eating, I'm starving again. Like, I, I want another meal. 
my hunger and my thirst is like insatiable. Well, Jesus is saying, when you're in a spot where you have a desperation and you want what God wants, you will be filled, future promise. So when it comes to following Jesus, there's a tension here. Yes, on one side, we want to live holy lives. We, we want to live lives that are separate together, honoring God. And well, how do we do that? We, we do what is right. Absolutely true. On the other side of the spectrum, we have to recognize that this is a process and we're not perfect yet. And so, so, so many of us would say like, man, I wish, I wish I could live up to following Jesus. Are you hungry for him? And Jesus says to a crowd that are leaving their towns and villages and spending the little money they have to spend their time with Jesus. They're not in the fields plowing. They're not on the lake fishing. They have chosen to lean into his voice. And he's saying to you, you are blessed. You want God in your life and you want God's rule and God's care and God's wisdom. And guess what? I'm gonna fill you. And so if you have chosen to follow the way of Jesus, I just need you to hear this. God hasn't given up on you. He hasn't given up on you. Now what he wants to do is stir. He wants to stir the craving within you so that more than the new Netflix series, more than the latest thing online that's probably on sale because all stores are closed, more than the experience because we're all planning that vacation. Don't lie to me. We're planning. You, we can't wait to get out of this quarantine and we are planning the most exotic. Here's what I'm gonna do. My, nothing wrong with those things. But when we want rightness with God, when we want to live right with other people, Jesus is saying, you are going to be filled. And this is future promise. We'll get tastes of it now, but don't be discouraged when it doesn't all happen in one year. Be in it for the long haul. Say, you know what, Jesus, I thank you for how you're beginning to shape me. And I see I'm learning to think more like you. Thank you, Lord. He's going to fill you. And thank you that that tension between whether it's a spouse or my kids or friends or at work or in the neighborhood, thank you that I see some light. It's not all fixed, it's not all whole, but thank you. When we become the people that want to see what God sees, when we hunger, when we're dissatisfied with the tension in people's lives, when we see the brokenness and we don't ignore it, we don't avoid it, we don't medicate it, but we see brokenness and we say, God, we want to see your kingdom come. Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst. You're going to be filled. The next one says, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. This is the one where it, it seems to be cause and effect because, hey, if you show mercy, guess what? You get mercy. Remember, how do we interpret all of these blessings? They're not, if you do this, God gives you that. He's just announcing to those of you who extend loving care, guess what? God is going to care for you. Uh, it's not a pre present promise. This is in the future. It doesn't mean you won't see tidbits of it now, but he's reminding his followers, those of us who walk with God's heart, those of us who hunger and thirst for people to live in the right, those of us who are willing to extend grace and mercy to others, just know this, the Father sees our needs as well. He knows the brokenness in our own life and he knows where we're falling short. Hypocrisy is when I have two different standards. Those who are merciful 
God is extending mercy. And what God wants to do is expose hypocrisy is when I point the flaw out in your life, not recognizing as I point the one finger, at least three are pointing back at me. And, and, and he says to, to a lowly, meek, ordinary group of people, blessing on your life. As you realize and you extend mercy, guess what? God is caring for you with mercy. Uh, verse eight, blessed are the pure in heart for they're gonna what? They're going to see God. Now I'm becoming like a, a bit of a broken record here. It's easy to misread this one. Man, I just wish, I just wish I had a pure heart. And those like, I, I know them, my cousin or this or that or the other person, like they have a real like pure heart before God. And, and yeah, they're gonna see him, but not me. Remember Jesus is announcing these people are the pure in heart. It doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean no flaw, but their heart is bent towards God. And so Jesus promises, because we have chosen to follow him and we're opening up our lives to God's mercy and God's transformation and God's work, guess what? We're going to see him. And this is the beautiful promise. Jesus said, I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I think it's John 14. And if I go to prepare a place for you, of course, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna come back and you're gonna, you're gonna be with me. Those of us who follow Jesus, you may not feel close to him. Depending on your personality type, some of us are just too, too stinking hard on ourselves, beating ourselves over the back, just saying, you're never gonna get it, get it, right. Get it right. You're never gonna get it right. Now there are others on the other side of the spectrum who are like, oh, God forgives, God forgives, oh, who cares? Now, you know which side of the spectrum you're on, whether you're too hard on yourself or too soft on yourself. But Jesus says, those who follow me, I announce to you, the pure in heart, my followers, those who belong to me, they will see God. Again, it's not cause and effect. This is good news. This is the gospel. The gospel is that God takes people with a wicked, sinful heart and he brings us close and he says, child of God. The good news is that he takes people with a long and a dirty past and he says, clean, forgiven, whole, past, totally covered. This is grace, my friends. And those of us who've chosen to follow Jesus Christ have become the pure in heart and we will see God. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on his work in your life. Don't live so loose that you don't care. But don't be so hard on yourself that you disqualify yourself from God's grace and God's mercy. I love the next one because the progression. Blessed are the pure in heart. And what, what happens is this. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. What God came to do in Jesus is to create one global family, just like he comes from the people of Israel. Remember, God called this, this descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob into a people, into 12 tribes, and they grew and they grew and they grew. And the whole world was gonna be blessed through this group of people. What they didn't realize was the blessing is that Jesus would come in and through these people. And he would extend this blessing to all the nations of the earth and bring a people of peace that we live at peace with God. So Jesus announces to them, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. When we follow the way of Jesus, we become people of peace. He's announcing this over our life. 
And when you receive the Holy Spirit, what's going to begin to happen in your world, it may take a while, but what's going to begin to happen in your world is you're going to see dysfunction. You're going to be able to have discernment. You're going to see where people are just not getting along. And by the grace of God, you and I, we get to speak words of peace. No matter what kind of brokenness there is, God can step in. And when the king comes and, and people live under the king's rule, he can radically change human relationships. Blessed are you when in Jesus' name you step in and speak a word of peace. Why? Because when we step in and we want to see people reconciled, remember righteousness is not just about me and God are in the right, but righteousness is about you and I being in the right. And when we follow Jesus and he sends us on his mission of peace, guess, guess who we're called? Children of God. Now, what's the connection there? This is God's heart. And it's really cool whenever you see in a healthy family dynamic, have you ever noticed this, that sometimes like kids mimic their parents? And think of the healthy, you know, good ways. It happens in dysfunctional ways as well. Alcoholism can run, you know, between parent and child and other things that are negative. But think of the positive thing where a mom or a dad or parents, they're really doing something that's right and good. And then you see their kids pick up on them. It's just the greatest thing. Like it didn't just get zapped into their kids. Well, they're related. That, that makes sense. And what Jesus says is, here's the announcement. This transformation, this peace that's come into your life because of Jesus is going to come out and, and through your life. And you and I are peacemakers and will continue to be peacemakers because the good news is good news of us right with God and we can be right with people. And this is what it means to live like a child of God. So, you know, if you're following Jesus and you see things that are wrong and you have a heart and a burden to see them right, that's just like dad. That's just like your heavenly father. So this isn't a command to live into, but rather a word of hope for you. You are a peace person. And now if we follow Jesus, we can identify spaces where we can bring God's presence and God's peace. And this is a beautiful promise. You know, if you've ever been in a spot where you are trying to bring people to reconcile their differences, you're going to realize that it's not always easy. So this all sounds idealistic, but Jesus is actually going to say at the end a sobering blessing. Let's just, let's just look at it. Verse 10, blessed are those, because it went from, you know, peacemakers, children of God, that's kind of awesome. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, what happened here? Uh, by the way, like linguistically here, it went from future children of God to present now persecuted. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you falsely, say all kinds of evil against you because of me. That's all like now language. Rejoice and be glad now language because great is your reward in heaven because in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. How does Jesus end the, these announcements of blessing with a reality check. This isn't going to be easy. So just because we live in the presence of Jesus and we follow him and we go his way and we want to bring people into the right, we want to bring peace, we want to bring mercy, Jesus is saying there's a real kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, God's presence has come to you, but there's a kingdom of this age and evil is real. 
And if you've ever stepped in to try to help two people who are in conflict, you know what's happened? And given the nature of my position, this has happened. I've kind of become used to it. You have two people who are opposing each other. They come to you to help bring some reconciliation. When you start to speak the truth, sometimes that anger towards one another gets pointed back towards you. And somehow you're the bad guy for trying to tell them what to do. If it's never happened to you, <laughs> you should try pastoral work. It happens quite often. Or they're just in, in church set, setting, thank you, bye-bye, and off, and you never see these people again. And that's a reality. Just because we follow Jesus doesn't mean we're always going to see tangibly the fruit of our work. But Jesus says, blessed are you when you live as a child of God. Blessed are you when you try to extend peace. And sometimes because of your stance and following Jesus, people are going to come against you. And then he puts us on parallel with the prophets who were given the word of God in the same way that people don't understand you, they didn't understand his messengers that he sent in centuries past. And instead of listening to the word of God through the servants of God, they often persecuted and or killed the prophets. And Jesus says, don't worry what other people do against you. I know. And the kingdom of heaven, God's presence has come to you. And so some of this is future, some of this is now. Living the way of Jesus is not always going to be easy. But remember, all nine of these belong together. And that's kind of the big takeaway to pull it full circle. Jesus announces blessing, 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 blessing. And all of them are privilege. All of them are favor. Because when we choose, like other people choose not to believe. When we choose to believe on Jesus, he says, these things will now be true of you. And as you go as my people and do my work, my presence here and now, the blessings are bookended. I have a promise of God's presence in the now. But in the middle, sometimes it's going to take a while before I see all of this lived out. But Jesus says, you can count on me. You will be filled. That is my promise. I want, I want to leave you with this question and then we want to make our way towards communion. We want to remember Jesus and, and eat the bread and drink the cup together, remembering it's all grace, right? It's all favor. It's all blessing. It's all promise. But let me just ask you this question. What would it look like if we saw our present circumstances in light of God's blessings? What if we chose to interpret what we're going through right now. I don't, I don't want to sound trite. I don't know what you're going through. And I don't know the depth of hurt or pain or confusion that you're walking in. But what if we chose to walk through life and the difficulty of life in light of Jesus's promised, guaranteed blessing? I'll tell you one, one thing that will change my perspective. My circumstances might not change immediately, but my perspective always changes when I look at whatever I'm going through in light of what Jesus has promised. Well, in light of his promise, I want to take a moment and let, we're going to take communion together. Why don't we do that now? Just grab the bread and grab the cup. And I, I love the picture that kind of leans into what we've been talking about right now. All of these blessings. Right now, we're going to take and we're going to eat and we're going to drink by faith, believing 
that what Jesus did 2,000 years ago still speaks to our present circumstances. We remember his death and his resurrection as our guaranteed hope of life with God now and life with God in the future. So in one sense, we're eating and drinking blessing. Communion isn't a somber and a dark moment. Yes, it could be reflective because we want to live as the pure in heart, right? We want to, because he's made us pure, we want to live pure. We, we don't want to live with hypocrisy. Yeah, of course. So we do evaluate our lives. We do confess our sin. But communion for us is a moment of celebration because we are the ordinary people. We're the disqualified. We're the lowly. We're the meek. And Jesus has said, I'm with you. So we eat and we drink and we remember God's promise and we remember that we are God's people living out God's mission, which is why this is followed, if you keep reading towards next week, with this commission. You are the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. Because we're his kingdom people, because we belong to the king, we've got something beautiful to do. Well, let's give thanks. No matter where you are, I invite you to take those circumstances and as you eat and as you drink, remember Jesus. Remember his goodness. Remember his love. Remember his sacrifice. And if he gave up his own son for you and for me, will he not freely give us all things? You are not forgotten because Jesus is for you. Lord, Today we remember you in light of our very real hardships, circumstances, troubles, failures, regrets, in light of all of these things. Jesus, thank you that today you announce to us we are the blessed people. So now, Holy Spirit of God, as we eat and drink and remember the beautiful life and work of Jesus, Help our minds to gain perspective about what's right and true. Lord, in our soul and our emotions, we want to feel in a way that's in alignment with your heart towards us. And so we remember your promise, Jesus. You said you'd never leave us. You'd never abandon us. So we eat and we drink and we remember. We have your life now and you promise to give us life in full with you in the future. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We don't deserve it, but we accept it and we're glad for it. In Jesus' name, amen.